0: All right, and welcome back. We are now on to episode number eight. We're going to continue in this series, The Invisible Enemy, COVID-19. Call it the China virus, call it whatever you want. Uh, We're looking here at the early days of COVID-19, going through those as quickly or as slowly as we can, trying to get into uh, into everything um, that I have here in this book, 174 pages of just notes and data. You can find that on my website at whatistruth911.wordpress.com and it should pop right up. So any new um, shows that we have and anything new should pop right up in that article will be adding to that article. So, make sure if you look for anything new, you can reference it right there if you just want to make sure or send somebody the link of all of the different shows in just one place. So, that's kind of what I like about uh, having a WordPress site, also. So, to make it easy for people who just want the research, you can download all the stuff we're going to talk about. What I screen share here, you'll be, you'll be able to download all of that. So, with that said, let's go ahead and get right into this next episode. All right. So here we go. We are still on April 10th of 2020. Good Friday, 2020. A study for the Center for Disease Control and Prevention titled Aerosol and Surface Distribution on Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, Coronavirus 2 in Hospital Wards, Wuhan, China, 2020. This was pu- this was uh, published on April 10th. Whoa, oh, that's a long run on sentence, but that's okay. Sometimes you got to do that just because you want to get uh, the most data in there. But that is a, that sentence is a mouthful, <laughs> but it's because of the article is so long. So make sure that you check out that article uh, where they're talking about um, the uh, aerosol and surface distribution to severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2, in the hospital wards in Wuhan, China, 2020. So, several news articles cited the story with the headline focusing on how COVID-19 could spread on the soles of your shoes. This was an interesting article, actually, um, because, you know, first it's like, well, it can't spread human to human. That's what the World Health Organization (laughs) was telling us. Now we learned that it can actually spread in the soles of your shoes. So, the reason things like this always make, you know... um, these are things that kind of stuck in my head as we learned more and as people were telling us we need to wear masks. Wearing the mask for two weeks is going to help, and well, if it's on your shoes, I don't know, you know, how much of that is really going to help. But anyways, and we can see it has not stopped the coronavirus. Everything we've been doing for two years, it feels like, um, you know, flatten the curve and everything. But uh, what are you going to do for your for your shoes? So if the COVID can get on the soles of your shoes. Um, the masks that's just more proof that the massless masks are not as effective. They may be somewhat effective, but not something that we should be mandating or making sure everybody does because you know it just doesn't work like that, according to what this article is saying here. Good article, I'm sure. I have it too. Um, what I should do thinking about that with this series, um, on the website, I'll start adding. Um, the pdfs too so maybe that will help people if you want to go and read this actual study because this study was referenced in um several articles that i found so i did have to rummage through certain articles to get to the actual study so hopefully i have that and hopefully i'll be able to download that but you can look up the title and um it's definitely worth reading, reading, okay, let's read on, so here's what the study says. Half of the samples from the soles of the i c u medical staff shoes tested positive, so shoes are testing positive. The study concluded, therefore, the soles of medical staff shoes might function as carriers the three-week positive results from the floor of dressing room four might also arise from these carriers. We highly recommend that persons disinfect shoe soles before walking out of wards containing COVID-19 patients. So this is where it goes, okay, if it was true then, shouldn't it be true now? Um, If it can spread on the soles and we're we're walking around with masks on acting like that's going to save us, articles like this, studies like this that are very, you know, not referenced by a lot of the people who want you to wear masks and get the shot and all that stuff. Um, they, these are some of the things that they're not going to mention. So I thought it was very important to put this in, into this um, paper, notes, document, future book, basically, because everything we're reading here will at some point be um, edited down and um, made into a to a real book that um, hopefully Will again help people, especially once things go down the memory hole. Hopefully, this will be something that we can always reference back to um, if needed if wanted. (laughs) The study took place in hospital wards in Wuhan, China between February 19th and March 2nd of 2020. The purpose of the study was to determine distribution of severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2 in hospital wards in Wuhan, China. According to the study, we tested air and surface samples. Contamination was greater in intensive care units than general wards. Virus was widely distributed on floors, computer mice, trash cans, and sickbed handrails and was detected in air for and from patients. Pretty interesting stuff there. And I do hope to get my friend Catherine on at some point um, to kind of help me go through some of the stuff. um, Because she was one of the first people, when I was just learning about what COVID-19 was, and had um no idea what COVID 19 really was. Uh, Catherine was um one of the persons that I asked what, what what is this? What is cr I, I know what a coronavirus was and how it connected to all these other things that we have going on here? And then the 19, what does the 19 mean? Does this mean this is the 19th version of COVID? So, um, and she helped me out. She laughed at it and we laughed. It was, it was, you know, it's just something that I would ask. I have no um I don't really care if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't really care if I'm, if I don't know something, if I, if I ask stupid questions, um, you know, I I like to, I like to just ask people questions, things like that to try to figure out what it is. So half kidding, half joking, but really seriously, because I had no idea what COVID-19 was at the time and still kind of struggling. But I've been reading a great book uh, called the real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Highly recommend it for everyone. Even if you know everything about COVID and all that stuff, it's more about AIDS, like um, the the pharma, big pharma. Like this is a must read for everybody, I think. So it was a really good book. And I I hope more people will take the time to actually read this book. I found it very insightful and very helpful, actually, um, to a lot of the research that I've been doing. So I do hope that it helps you out too. All right, let's get back into it. All right, so what I did is I tried to include some of the uh, stuff that was in that CDC re- report, again, because you just never know when things are going to get wiped off, wiped out, and um, or just shadow banned where people can't have access to it. So it was another big reason to write this book um, with anything, anything you think is a false flag or anything you think is a pandemic or a tragedy. It's really important, and I'm sure most of you know this here, to get as much data as you can. And to, to document that data, to back up that data, store it offline, if at all possible, print it out. But to have that data in case things like this get shoved down the memory hole. And um, so that's what that was some of the reasons why I was so adamant about trying to write this book in real time at that time. And a lot of this was when I started this. It was you know March and from that point on a lot of stuff you're reading now. Is probably me writing it that, that day. And at some point going back over, I think I only edited like the first 70 or 80 pages or something. So at some point the data we're reading here is going to get a little more, um, convoluted. We'll see. <laughs> so, um, I won't read this, but, uh, you can definitely go and check some of that out. I think it's definitely worth reading, especially if you're interested in, in the SARS COVID to COV2 and, uh, whether, you know, this, some of it saying whether it can be transmitted by aerosol remains controversial and the exposure for risk, the exposure risk for close contact has not been s- systematically evaluated. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. book, it also said that, you know, if somebody says that the science is definite, the science is settled. He says, never take that at their, their word. Um, Cause that's not what science is you know, science is always being questioned, always being challenged and continual stuff. So anyways, I've learned a lot just by reading that book. And uh, I look for I'm about maybe not even halfway through it yet. And so much data. It's definitely a book that I'm going to read over and over again. And it really helped me understand a lot of the stuff that um, I didn't know about Dr. Fauci, obviously, and a lot of the things that we're kind of talking about here. So um the study that they did was performed in a small sample of regions, with with few confirmed cases. So there weren't that many confirmed cases, and they were finding COVID was testing positive on the shoes. It's pretty interesting stuff. I think I think it's very interesting in Wuhan, in Wuhan, China, which is where a lot of people believe that this all started from. Um, in the study, we tested surface and air samples from an intensive care unit and a general COVID ward in the, and I can't pronounce the name, but in the hosp- in a hospital in Wuhan, China. And there is the actual name there, H-U-O-S-H-E-N-S-H-A-N. And then there's a map. They even have a nice little map there from February 19th to March 2nd uh let's see February 19th to March 2nd how can I get out of there there you go we collected swab samples from potentially contaminated objects in the ICU and GW as described previously the ICU housed 15 patients with severe disease and the GW housed 14 or 24 patients with milder um so then it goes through all that what they sampled and air samples how they collected them pretty interesting study so there's all of the the results and you can read all of that i'm glad i put that directly into this book here too because obviously it was very important a lot of it is probably beyond my understanding but people who know about this stuff who know about covid know about the samples and the tests and all the stuff that you would want to to do to find out this looks like a very thorough study um So we'll read that. Now, getting to the conclusions, the study was led to three conclusions. First, SARS-CoV-19 was widely distributed in the air and on subject surfaces in both ICU and GW. So it's in the air, it's on surfaces, it's everywhere, implying a potentially high infection risk for medical staff and other close contacts. Second. The environmental contamination was greater in the ICU than in the GW, the general ward. Thus, stricter protective measures should be taken by medical staff working in the ICU. Third, the SARS-CoV-2 aerosol distribution characteristics in the ICU indicate that the transmission distance of SARS-CoV-2 might be 4M. Um, and this is interesting. As of March 30th, no staff members had been infected Uh, indicating that appropriate precautions could effectively prevent infection. In addition, our findings suggested that home isolation of persons with suspected COVID-19 might not be a good control strategy. That's an interesting point right there. I'll read that again, that their findings suggest that home isolation of persons with suspected COVID-19 might not be a good control strategy family members usually do not have personal protective equipment and lack professional training, which easily leads to familiar cluster infections. Hmm. So they don't want them at home. They want them in hospitals. Pretty interesting. During the outbreak, the government of China strove to the fullest extent possible to isolate all patients with suspected COVID-19 by actions, actions such as constructing mobile cabin hospitals in Wuhan quarantine zones which ensured that all patients with suspected disease were cared for by professional medical staff and that virus transmission was effectively cut off. As of the end of March, the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic in China had been well-controlled. Our study has two limitations. That's pretty interesting um, because we see how low the Chinese numbers are, How even back then, how low they were. And this study here has some good stuff, but this study also is saying China was able to control it and quarantine themselves, et cetera, et cetera. So why would they care if um, – why would it be such a, a big deal if Trump um, cut off uh, flight restrictions, right, if he created flight restrictions for, uh, to China, to and from China? and all that stuff and then the repatriation we talked about that getting people back here and everything but stopping flights things like that and uh trump got some some flack for that but it just seemed like by people that were just looking for something they were looking for something to blame trump for so our study has two limitations first the results of the nucleic acid test do not indicate the amount of viable virus second for the unknown minimal infection, infectious dose, the aerosol transmission distance cannot be strictly determined. Overall, we found that the air and objects surface in COVID-19 wards were widely contaminated by SARS-CoV-2. These findings can be used to improve safety practices. So there is the actual link to the article. Hopefully it's still active. www.nc.cdc.gov. And then... um a lot of back backslash eid backslash article backslash 26 backslash 7 backslash 20-0885 and then article so um pretty interesting article there and uh i hope that that is one that really helps in our in our research that helps us to kind of get to the you know to under, to the understanding of what they were doing some of the tests they were doing finding it on the shoes te- shoes testing positives pretty interesting to me all right so let's go to the passover message from president trump he and his wife um Join million, millions of Christians celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gift of eternal life in, in Easter. So this is a, a big deal, obviously, for us Christians. It's nice to hear a president talk about this, talk about the one true God. And um, this is how he kind of began um, that uh, speech there. And I, I thought it was a really good good speech, a very uplifting, very powerful, not this dark winter that we've been hearing about all the time, that we continue to hear about under the current president. Um, but uh yes, yeah, so not not nothing about fear, all about Jesus Christ. That's where everything is. All this stuff is very temporary, everything that we're going through. These are temporary problems. So it's nice to have have the president kind of recognize that it's not all doom, doom and gloom. Put your trust in Jesus Christ and everything will be all right. Okay, so as we head on to April 12th, the rising numbers. As of April 12th, 2020, there were 1,314,269 active cases. There were 537,465 closed cases worldwide. This was so important for me. these numbers were so important for me to, to include on Facebook. We were hearing a lot of the negative, a lot of the negative, you know, the deaths, this and that, but somebody wrote on Facebook, what about the the closed cases? What about the recoveries? And so that kind of made me want to make sure that I put all of that data into this book here to show that, you know, you talk about the active cases then but we can't just focus on the active cases and then associate them subconsciously like i was doing with death um we have the active cases we have the recoveries we have the closed cases and then we have the deaths so all of that stuff is just as valuable thankfully that person put posted that it triggered my brain to to remember that yeah don't just focus on how many people are dying Okay, focus on the cases, the whole the whole thing, the whole picture, the active cases, the recoveries, and then you know, the closed cases, basically. So, um, and of course, don't forget about the uh, deaths either. But. All right, so let's get back into it here. Uh, so yeah, so those were the... The active and the closed cases, of those closed cases, 423,268 people had recovered from COVID-19, and 114,179 had died. So those were the uh, deaths at that point, 114,000. In the United States, as of April 13th, we had a total of 560,433 confirmed cases with 22,115 deaths and 32,634 recoveries. By April 13, 2020, there was at least one reported death in all 50 states. Worldwide, there were a reported number of 1,920,142 cases, just about 2 million cases there worldwide they were expecting that just within our our country we know that that um did not happen at that time right and then we have a lot of false positives and all these other things that are happening now but just then what they were expecting were two million deaths two million cases but i think of two million deaths if i remember correctly not cases Um, they were looking at deaths there and you can compare that to what we have here Of those reported cases, so of the 1.9 million cases, the number of deaths reached 119,410, while 443,732 have recovered from COVID-19 across the globe. In total, there were 563,142 closed cases. In total, there were 585,469 confirmed cases in the United States with 59,797 closed cases. Of those closed cases, there were 23,592 deaths and 36,205 people who recovered from COVID-19. We did the right thing, President Trump said during the April 13th press briefing. America is continuing to make critical progress in our war against the virus, President Trump stated. Over the weekend, the number of daily new infections remained flat nationwide, flat. Hospitalizations are slowing in hotspots like in New York, New Jersey, Michigan, and Louisiana. This is clear evidence that our aggressive strategy to combat the virus is working and that Americans are following the guidelines. It's been incredible what they've done. During the briefing, Dr. Fauci also addressed a CNN interview from the previous day. I had an interview yesterday that I was asked a hypothetical question, Dr. Dr. Fauci began, and hypothetical questions sometimes can get you into some difficulty because it's what would have or could have. The nature of the hypothetical question was if, in fact, we had mitigated earlier Could lives have been saved? And the answer to my question was, as I always do, and I'm doing right now, perfectly honestly say yes. I mean, obviously. So if the mitigation works and you instigated and you initiated earlier, you will probably have saved more lives. If you initiated it later, you probably would have lost more lives. If you initiated at a certain time, that was taken as a way that maybe somehow something was at fault here. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president, Dr. Fauci continued, to actually have a quote shutdown in the sense, not really shutdown, but to really have strong mitigation, we discussed it. Obviously, there would be concern by some that in fact that might have some negative consequences. Nonetheless, the president listened to the recommendation and went to the to the mitigation. The next second time that I went with Dr. Burks and the president uh, to the president and said 15 days are not enough, we need to go 30 days. Obviously, there were people who had a problem with that because of the potential secondary effects. Nonetheless, at that time, the president went with the health recommendations and we extended it another 30 days so I can only tell you what I know and what my recommendations were but clearly as happens all the time. There were interpretations of that response to a hypothetical question that I just thought it would be very nice for me to clarify because I didn't have the chance to clarify. Thank you. So I don't know if you want to call it a backtrack, but it is weird. I mean, that's a a CNN trait, asking the hypothetical, oh, should we have done this? But it's it's nothing that um, President Trump wasn't being asked during these press conferences. It was always about what could you have done better? And I mean, to think that a person would not think about what they could have done better et etc cetera, etc cetera, which is fine there's gonna be plenty of time to think about that but while they're in it it's like they need they're too busy thinking about what what to do at that point so some weird stuff there but this is kind of one of the first breaks that i saw between the president and dr fauci and burks to end dr burks because you're going to see less and less of Dr. Fauci and of Dr. Birx as time goes on, which is interesting. I didn't really understand what why then, but have a uh, have have some guesses now. Obviously, why they were kind of being let out, kind of shut down um, after kind of you know going a- against the president. I would say, and some of the criticisms. But again, I had no idea who uh, Dr. Fauci and who Dr. Birch were at that time. Had I known, maybe I would have listened to some people who were trying to tell me who they were. I think this is really good to get into as well, the visible timeline Um, with the criticism, whatever was happening, you can tell Trump was kind of eager to make sure, and, and not just him too, obviously his team, his staff, were eager to make sure everybody kind of understood that. What this timeline was, um, because they're probably hearing from the Trump haters, from websites that don't like Trump, and the way he, everything he did wrong. And that's basically it. So, this is where you get to hear the other side of um, all of that. So, here we go. Trump then gave a timeline of events starting on January 6, 2020. On January 6, President Trump stated, CDC issued a, a travel notice for Wuhan, China a notice before there was even a confirmed case of the virus in the United States. So he's saying on January 6, 2020, CDC issued a travel notice for Wuhan, China. Um, these are some of the things, well, what could you have done more, right? It's when you hear like Dr. Fauci, you know, his question is, the question is kind of crap, but his answer is also kind of crap too. Um, but it's kind of the what could you have done more like how early did this really happen and so that's why trump is trying to clarify in january they were doing things here when a lot of people really weren't taking it seriously um i had kind of been waiting for something like this to happen a, a bio attack you know you see that in a lot of films and stuff like that so once this happened uh i, I did it did kind of seem like okay is this what we've been waiting for here is this is this real is this really happening let's read on. Okay, so I also put this in here that there were no confirmed cases in the USA on January 11th of 2020. Even so, the CDC issued a level of travel notice for help. So we have zero cases, President Trump continued. People want me to act. I'm supposed to close down the economy, the greatest economy in the history of the world, and we don't have one case confirmed in the USA. That's January 11th. On January 17th, the CDC began implementing public health entry screenings at three major U.S. airports that received the greatest volume of passengers from Wuhan, at my instructions. There was not a single case of the coronavirus in the United States, and the fake news is saying, oh, he didn't act fast enough. Well, you, you remember what happened. Because when I did act, I was criticized by Nancy Pelosi, by sleepy Joe Biden. I was criticized by everybody. In fact, I was called xenophobic. On January 21st, President Trump explained the CDC activated an emergency operations center as well. All right, so let's go and let's continue on here. Focus mode Okay So on January 21st, President Trump explained the CDC activated an emergency operated center and there was just one case, one person, but by January 31st there were seven reported cases in the United States with zero deaths. President Trump issued a state tra- a uh, travel restriction from China. So what did I do? president trump asked the press in the briefing room i issued travel restrictions on that date even though nobody died and i got brutalized over by the press because i was way too early i shouldn't have done it brutalized by the press but you know sort of it's been i've been brutalized for the last four years i used to do well before i decided to run for politics but i guess i'm doing okay because to the best of my knowledge i'm the president of the united states despite the things that are said So then first mandatory quarantine in more than 50 years, we did. First mandatory in 50 years. But in February, Nancy Pelosi said we should come to Chinatown. This is late February. Come to Chinatown. We think it's very safe. Come here. Let's all have a big parade. Chinatown parade, probably referring to San Francisco. And that's it. But I took this action early. And so the story in the New York Times was a total fake. It's a fake newspaper, and they write fake stories. And someday, hopefully in five years, when, when I'm not here, those papers are all gone out of business. Because when I'm not here, those papers are all gone out of business because uh, nobody is going to want to read them. But now they like them because they write about me. <laughs> so that's the press briefing. Obviously, um, he uh, had some issues. So uh, then... We are going to, I think we'll stop this one now and uh, next time we'll come back and talk a little bit more about Rand Paul and him testing positive um, on April 13th, 2020. But for now, I want to thank everybody again for joining me here for episode number eight. And we will continue on. Um, If this channel gets shut down, if uh, the content uh, gets taken off, um we'll just move it somewhere else. I have moved it to Rumble, to my Rumble channel, Greg Fernandez Jr. I am on Rumble, haven't really promoted that much yet, but I am on Rumble, moving a lot of the stuff that you find on this YouTube channel. I'll be moving all of that over to my Rumble channel including the Bohemian Grove stuff, the Philip Marshall, data, JFK, anything like that, 911, uh all of my music as much as I possibly can, but the goal is to uh now that I have it all backed up to get it onto other platforms and um, hopefully it'll stay on YouTube, but if not, that's okay. Cause I will, um, I'll be back. <laughs> so God bless you all. And until next time, hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.
1: Are you interested in the paranormal? Murder mysteries. Cryptocurrency and thought-provoking interviews. Then check out Crypt I've Been Thinking on YouTube. Or every Monday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Studio A at Revolution Radio. FreedomSlips.com Welcome to the Hello everyone, this is Sophia from the Gray Stage Podcast, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners to join the Justice for David Crowley and Family group located on Facebook where we have almost 4,000 members. In this group, we welcome discussions regarding the case and have all of the documents located in the files section for everyone to review. If you like, you're welcome to visit Greg Fernandez Jr.'s website called The Gray Stage. It's located at thegraystagewordpress.com. You can find his book and all the official documents for this case at his website. Lastly, I'd like to introduce you to Catherine Michelle, who's a part of this podcast. Catherine Michelle has a YouTube channel under her name, where she mainly discusses the Crowley case. So please feel free to stop by and give her channel a like and a listen. Until our next podcast, keep seeking the truth and justice for David Crowley and his family. what's up everybody this is ross from planet x filmworks channel on youtube and the zodiac files true crime series check it out and shout out to greg and the gray stage channel their content is amazing